Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, my co-host John is waiting in the wings, and we are ready to discuss something. But what? Well, how about the three winners of the 2017 200-word RPG Challenge? Plus a bunch of other stuff, including some of the finalists we really liked and our favorite butts from history. Sound good? Good. Well, here we go on today's System Mastery. Hello, folks. Welcome to System Mastery. John, how the heck are you this week? Hey, man. I am so good. I am really glad to hear that. Uh, John, I've been thinking, we get a lot of people who find this show at random and... uh, Yeah, just completely randomly. Just, like, they find it because other people reference it or something. And the next thing you know, they think that we're, like, just just dicks. Yeah, we're just, just negative Nancys. Just mean, crotchety old dicks. Just... Wrinkly, liver-spotted... Old dicks. With hair going all the way up the shaft. (laughs) Like little limbless Chewbacca's. Uh That's what people think. So, I was thinking maybe it'd be a good idea for us on the show to maybe explain what this is, you know, for like 30 seconds at the start of the show, just for for new... Because every episode is someone's first. Every single episode. Except for this one. Except for this one. This is no one's first episode. But no, we've gotten comments from people that have said, like, every time I've pointed that out, that some this is probably someone's first episode, we get an email later for someone who's like, that was my first episode. Oh, who were, did you know? You were right. So, for folks who don't understand what the show is, if you're just joining us from people's recommendations across the internet, System Mastery is a comedic review podcast, or hopefully comedic anyway. Well, <laughs> I mean, we do, I don't know if i go that far. We do our best. Uh, to What we like to do is go out and find... Old role-playing games, the more obscure the better, although we are not above taking on some of the large ones, uh, and then just read them, and then make fun of them. Pretty much, yeah. That's pretty much what it is. We try to find elements of them that are silly, or racist, or sexist, or something, and just sort of drag that stuff into the light. Yeah, we are we are all about just dragon games. Yeah, just, just uh, give dungeons them Dungeons and dragon, these games. <laughs> that's what we do. We dungeons and drag. We... Uh... We just rip on all these old games, and, and it's fun. Oh, my God. Uh, that How much do I want RuPaul's Dungeon and Drag Race? Oh, my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining us, what we do is we rip into old games, and it's fun. Uh, if if you're just starting, and one of the games we're reviewing is your favorite game... Stop listening. Stop listening. Go find, it, go find an episode about a game you've never heard of and listen to that instead. Yeah. Because, boy, that backlash effect is really something. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you get onto the site and you're like, oh, where should I start? Oh, you know, I really like whatever. Let's see what they have to think about. They're <laughs> like, no, it's it's always going to be bad. It doesn't matter. If it's something you like, listen to some other episodes, realize that we're just making fun of everything, and then when you get to one that is a game you like, you can appreciate it. You'll be on board, I hope. So, anyway, that's probably not going to happen this week because the three games we're covering are in it... A little bit of a difference from our normal model, brand spanking new. Yep, the most new you can get. So what we did recently was we were invited by uh, David Sherdwan, yep. uh, a good friend of the show. He's been on the show to talk about his games in the past. He is the host of the 200-word RPG challenge every year, which uh, he asked us to be uh, hosts for. Yeah. Not hosts, uh, judges. Yeah, We uh, last year we 
Uh, we really got into the uh, the games. We did a review of some of the winners before. Uh, and we just really like the idea of the 200-word micro-RPGs. I wonder if that's because we read a 300-page RPG once every two weeks. Yeah, the idea that I could get through an RPG in, like, five minutes at most is, like, the best. Yeah, reading 700-ish little RPGs was a breeze. Oh, yeah. Especially a couple of weeks after reading Fatal. This was just, like, a snap. Yeah. So, so it was fun for us. We had a really good time judging, and... Uh, you know, after a lot of deliberation and a lot of work with the other judges, we eventually settled on three winners and one of the prizes for winning. And there were a lot of them. It's a the the project is has a lot of support these days from uh, magazines in the gaming industry, from other websites, and then from podcasts like ours. So one of the prizes is that we are going to discuss the three winners. And I think we're going to go ahead and tack on a couple finalists that we really enjoyed while we're on it. But we are definitely going to start by discussing the three big winners. Uh, and, you know, why they're, why they're the winners and what we liked about them and all that stuff. Yeah. Now that we actually were judges, we can sort of get into what was going on with that rather than having the outsider perspective. So you get a little bit of a different uh, view than, say, last year when we did these reviews. Absolutely. So I'm going to start with the one that is the actual... I don't know if these even have a first, second, or third yeah, the place. the grand prize. The grand prize, are we saying that? This is the big winner? I guess. I, I don't think that it works that way. I think the three winners were just the three left at standing after <laughs> after endless deliberation. I think these three are kind of all on the same pedestal. But this is the one that the judges kind of universally agreed on. Yeah. Which is <laughs> almost disappointing because upon being everyone finally finishing all the deliberations, with this one standing tall with the most votes over and over and over again, that was when David revealed to us that it was written by like well-known expert game designer Grant Howitt. Yeah. The, the author of our, one of our favorite games here at the show, Dr. Magnet Hands. You jerk. <laughs> you, you brilliant, brilliant jerk. You unbelievable ass. <laughs> oh, man. I appreciate that you put this much effort into it. So so thank you, Grant. But let's get started with your, your game first, Mechanical Oryx. Yeah, the Mechanical Oryx is an interesting game. Uh, in that you all play said mechanical oryxes or oryxes or oryxi. Uh, I think oryxes. <laughs> I think it's oranges. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. oranges. Mechanical oranges. My, one might say a clockwork orange. One might say an annoying orange. <laughs> what was that, by the way? Some YouTube crap. Just some YouTube crap. All right. That like got its own show. God, what? What is wrong with people? <laughs> And it's just an annoying... All the early stuff from YouTube that took off and became like its own thing is the worst. Oh, yeah. PewDiePie, yeah, Annoying Pew Orange. The Jeff or whatever his name was. Or Fred. Fred. Yeah, Jeff. It's Jeff. Well, I'm not an original YouTube sensation. I mean, I do have one published song on the YouTube. Ooh. Right? Yeah. I've got that Weapons of the World song by Jeff. <laughs> by uh, Jeff. Which has almost 600 views. <laughs> I thought you were going to stop at six. It has almost <laughs> six views. You know, almost six views would have been a, a joke where 600 views is equally pathetic and is more true. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, your. Uh, mechanical Oryx, the big thing about it is uh, the setting is... I think we have... I could just read the whole damn thing. It's only 200 words. Well, yeah, I was going to say, but it's 
I, I can't quite gather if it's like supposed to be post-apocalyptic or uh, I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna venture a guess here and Grant if you're listening and I, I hope you are you can confirm whether or not you had recently read Margaret Atwood's Oryx and Crake before you wrote this <laughs> go ahead go ahead and just let me know because I mean it's got Oryxes in it oh, no wait oranges we we yeah, oranges it's got oranges it's got in oranges it. in it it's kind of set in a universe where everything has re- like a devolved to a primitive state except for a couple of leftover super robots from the past I mean and. I'm just saying, it's pretty Atwoody. I mean, it's real good. Don't get me wrong. It's just that's one of my favorite books. So yeah, yeah. But but anyway, uh, let us know if we're right about that because it's just an influence. Yeah, just go ahead and read off what we got here. All right, so here we go. Uh, Mechanical Oryx by Grant Howitt from LookRobot.com/games. You have many warring eyes and strong, beautiful, coiled steel legs, and were made long ago when the city still stood. So there you go. It's, it's post-apocalyptic. Uh, you spread one. Plants, light, music, warmth, power, knowledge, rust, something else. The longer you stay in one place, the more intense it gets. You have three installed modules. Tell us what they do. You walk the green places where soft brown people tend to fruit trees and sing songs they don't understand. They pray. Dispel the curse on our village. Destroy the phantoms that plague us. Teach us the song that makes the fruit grow. When you act, and the outcome is in doubt... Roll 2d6 and spend fuel. If you get 7 or more, you achieve your aims. If you roll a double, your solution causes an unexpected problem and something is lost forever. When you act with love, roll 1d4 plus 1d6. When you act with hate, roll 3d6. You have 10 fuel. When you have none, you stop. When you use a module, replace 1d6 with a d8. If it shows 8, the module breaks. Happy people build shrines for you, containing fuel and modules. Without the shrines, you will become a dangerous, scavenging thief. A phantom. That's the whole game. There you go. That's the whole game. So you're playing as kind of robot gazelles. You're, you're weird robos, and I I mean, the thing that immediately grabbed me on this mm-hmm. is the concept of radiating something. Because you can have ones that are, like, good... Uh, ostensibly of being like, oh, I I just radiate knowledge to people, or uh, I'm radiating, like, plant growth or something. That would be good. But the idea that the longer you stay in one area, the more powerful it gets, like, it just accumulates. Yeah. To the point where, you know, even if it would be something that was maybe good normally, it could still be, like, too much if you were staying in one area. I like it because it applies reason to your creation like why are these there are these robot oryxes around well it's because they were they were generators they they made something they were they had a purpose before this before everything collapsed yeah the whole idea was that they were going to go around and specifically do meh. yeah and and that sort of thing i mean if we want to talk about the judging process for at least for us i don't want to speak for the other judges of the 200 word rpg no contest. and we i i would say this just to spoil that uh, we were much harsher, I believe, than a lot of the other judges. <laughs> that's, we had we almost had trouble coming. I mean, I'm, that should be that sounds mean to seven hundred people, but but coming up with four winners for us was was challenging. Where, where a lot of the other judges were like, I can't pick between these thirty five. Yeah, I mean, we were like, I've narrowed it down to about maybe ten, and we all had different lists. Like yeah. we weren't all judging all seven hundred, but yeah. the the amount that we were whittling down. We were being, because we didn't want to get caught up in the whole like, oh, well, this is neat and this is interesting. We we're like, no, we have to have very strict guidelines on what we think is good and yeah. should move on. Not even what's good, but just 
what fits. So, and one thing I definitely don't want to get into, there's a lot of internet arguing about this, which about uh, what constitutes a role-playing game. Yeah. And that that's not that important to us. Uh, anything that you say is a role-playing game can be a role-playing game if you use it to play a role. Uh, that said, what we were looking for was efficient use of space. Basically, people who took the 200 words and did something with them that covered the bases. So if, if the easy way to write a 200-word RPG is to, for example, write one that doesn't have any rules, then, I mean, that's impressive, and you might be able to write a very good story. But meanwhile, there are people who managed to write 200 words that contained not only an interesting story, but also interesting rules. Yeah, and I think that's why this one really got uh, a lot of the votes as well, is you have an, a very interesting premise. Mm -hmm. The setup uses the 200 words very sparsely but you get a good image of what's going on you do i mean things like the soft brown people that, yeah. that sing songs they don't understand that 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 sentence tells a whole story all by itself yeah it's got some good evocative language for mm -hmm. the setting you've got a good resolution system that isn't just a singular because a lot of the times you'd get like oh anytime you want to do something like Roll a d6, and on a 1 through 3, you fail, and a 4 through 6, you succeed. That was fairly common, yes. But with this, having the uh, intent behind your actions change what you do, and especially the you can use a module if you've got one that does a thing, and that kind of changes it, you have a lot of nuance to the rolls without, again, being bogged down with, like, here's a ton of different rules. Yeah. Yeah, and the rules are evocative and connected to the world that they're part of. Uh, the whole thing about how you can act with hate or with love, uh, which changes your initial rolling, uh, is evocative. It, it connects the fact that your character is effectively a caretaker. But the thing is, you get more dice, which means a better chance of success on acting with hate. Yes. Which means... But a higher chance of hitting doubles. Yeah. So you you have this like expenditure of resources if you're going to act with hate. And you can reserve a lot more if you act with love, but you might not succeed as much. It's very, it's an interesting way to use your resolution without going super like crazy on what you're doing. The only question, and and, and Grant, I gotta I gotta call you out here. We gotta drag Grant a little. Uh, can you replace that D4 from when you act with love with a D8? Because it says replace one of your D6s with a D8, but what if you use two of your modules and you're acting with love? What happens then? We don't know. I don't know if I can give this well, point anymore, well, John. Well, it says I, you, you replace a D6, so it's not a D6. You can only get up to a D8 plus a D4 if you're acting with love. All right, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, I, I mean, I like that the, the game's got the mechanic to kind of keep itself moving. You you're, can literally run out of power and just stop where you are. But if you're keeping the people happy, then they pray to you and they give you things. Yeah, I mean, it gives you incentives for both. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you're more likely to succeed with the uh, the 3D6. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, if you are looking at it from a power gaming type of thing, you might be like, oh, I'm a super Terminator bot, and I'm always angry at whatever because I want to succeed. But then it means you're going to be running down and doing stuff, and the people aren't really going to be praising you? I don't think they're going to be happy if a murder oryx is running around. But Yeah, if, if murder bot's like, oh, I generate bullets, and that's what I do, and I'm just murder bot... I mean, yeah. granted, like like I was just saying, the chances of rolling doubles go up fairly significantly if you're rolling 3d6 instead of a d6 and a d4. Yeah. So, it's a dangerous way to play the game. Playing the game through hate will lead to your, your robot breaking everything it loves and run out of power eventually. Oh, yeah. And then... So, that's that's just smart design. Yeah, I, I like the way it does. And like I said, one of the big things we really wanted to go for is 
Things that creatively use the 200 words. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, basically, if a game reached out and grabbed us with a story uh, that, that was like, oh, that's a fascinating story. I, I want to see where the rest of that goes. Yeah. Or I want to talk about where this came from. Then we were more likely to go for it. And this game was in spades. It's interesting because it wasn't in our initial reading list. We were sent like 300 RPGs to read between the two of us. And this wasn't one of them. No. But when we saw it in the judging finalists, we were like, oh my gosh, yes. Very much yes. Oh yeah, of the ones that weren't ones we submitted, this was definitely one of the ones we looked at and went, okay, that is for sure a winner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely a winner. And then once we realized it was Grant's, we were like, well, duh. <laughs> well, <laughs> screw you, buddy. <laughs> Congratulations, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, so that's Mechanical Oryx. And again, that's from Grant S. Howitt at lookrobot.com slash games. Uh, the next winner, and this is this is good, because this is a finalist that you and I actually did submit. Yeah, this was one of ours that we submitted. Mm -hmm. And this is called Memories. Uh, it's by Santiago Eximeno, who can be found at www.eximeno.com. And uh, you want me to go ahead and start reading it? Ah, uh, go ahead. All right, so here we go. You are elderly people in a nursing home. No one comes to see you anymore. You want to talk with others, tell them about your life, your dreams, and your memories. Sit around a table. Get nine matches and an ashtray. Cut a paper sheet in nine pieces and write a word in each piece. These words are your conversation topics. And then he lists them here. Child, love, spouse, work, friend, game, travel, grandchild, home. One of you take a piece of paper and begin to talk about the topic in it. While speaking, he lights a match and set fire to the paper in the ashtray. All of you talk about the proposed topic until the paper is consumed. Then a new elder takes another piece of paper and proceeds in the same way. But all of you have forgotten your memories related to the previous topic. You cannot use them in the new conversation. If the memories are necessary, for example, you must have child in order to have grandchild, you must justify it in another way. Finish when the nine pieces of paper have been burned, and with them, all your memories. Yeah. Now, one of the things that got brought up a lot as far as, uh, like, sort of complaints about stuff is that there was a large amount of these sort of sad games, <laughs> is the way that I generally look at it, of just games that are there to make you cry and not be happy. <laughs> well, yeah, it's people who are trying very hard to break away from the mold of traditional role-playing games. They're... So you Yeah, know, instead of wish fulfillment and fantasy, it's yeah. very much we want you to look at yeah. a certain aspect of life. Feel bad about things, basically. <laughs> and it's, it's not like it's a bad thing. It's just another emotional tool in the toolbox. Yeah, and I mean, we, of the ones that we had originally submitted, uh, we tried to lean a little heavier on some of the lighthearted ones. I, I think uh, we were doing that because we suspected <laughs> the other judges wouldn't, but... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this was one of the ones that uh, I really went to bat for during our uh, initial judging. This game was a sad enough game to move the cold stone heart of John. Yeah, well, it not even that. It was... It has a rule set and it makes sense. Yeah, of all of the ones that were... We want you to specifically look at an aspect of life, whether that's uh, aging or breaking up or death or birth or whatever it happened to be that the role-playing game itself was trying to get you to engage with. This one, uh, one felt like you had a real interaction with the other people. The problem I had with 
a lot of the games that were like, hey, we want you to really uh, think about, like, death or think about breaking up with someone were that you were, like, I tell a story. Okay, now the next person does, and now you do. And it was a very back and forth, but you didn't have a lot of interaction between it and the idea that everyone here is trying to get out their stories before this uh burns paper yeah and that once it's burned it's gone yeah is it's very uh i mean like i said with the oryx it's very evocative it makes you uh have to really think as well you like you have to keep track of oh i can't mention anything about my home because we already burned the home so now when I'm trying to talk about my spouse, I can't talk about, like, the first time I brought her home over the threshold or whatever. So it it has an aspect of, like, memory for the player mm-hmm. to remember what you can't remember as a character. And it's interesting in that way. Yeah, yeah. Plus it's got the evocations in it. It's got the, the, uh, the fire and the, the pieces of paper. It's got a very visceral sense to it. Yeah, and it, and it isn't, like, it doesn't say... Cut up the paper into even. No, it's just uh, tear it up. Yeah. So you can have something where it's like, oh yeah, uh, we cut up one of the pieces of the paper, and you know, grandchild is a very big piece, so everyone's going to be able to talk a lot about that. But maybe like love is a small one, and so you can't really get out as much about that. It's it's got playability in how you do that, like the paper that you use. Are you using? super thin paper so it goes fast you get like she's using flash paper oh yeah you just get in the flash paper and you're like hey you know what i had a kid once Poof. my son <laughs> done yeah so it it's it's interesting in the way you can tweak the variables of the uh rules in order to change how quick or how slow the story goes i that's the thing i really liked about it I think another thing that's worth mentioning about this one is uh, there's some judges' comments. I'm sorry. Well, I actually there is judges' comments, which includes some which, stuff. Which is, you know, John me. wrote. Yeah, well, <laughs> you and another person who also submitted this. Uh, John said here probably one of the more depressing entries we've read, but also one that can be very powerful. As you literally burn through the memories of your nursing home patients, it becomes harder and harder to relate new stories as you can't remember the things that came before. The time of play can be variable on how large a piece of paper you write on, and it is a great game for those who want to try something a little more serious with their group. Uh, but what I meant to say is that there are author comments, mm-hmm. and the author comment from uh, Santiago is, English is not my first language, sorry for any error. And there is there is a point in the middle of it where he breaks tense, uh, which is, but ultimately, I, I think it's impressive that this game managed to be so kind of, like, evocative and, and, and powerful, and, and uh, you can tell because it's a finalist from more than one group, uh, that came from someone who, for whom English is not a first language. I mean, listen to me. I'm stammering through it, and I've, I don't speak Spanish in the slightest. <laughs> no, I, uh, I mean, reading it, there's no way I would have been able to tell that. Like, yeah. if if we hadn't gotten the author comments here, mm-hmm. there's no way I would go like, oh, this didn't sound like a native speaker. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that's another th- uh, measure of impressiveness for this. This is just a really well-written entry. Like, there, like John was saying, there were a lot of entries that we came across that were like, you know, sit quietly and look another person in the eyes. You are sad. Explain why. They will explain why they why they are sad. Both of you cry together. Enjoy an avocado. <laughs> you goddamn millennial. You can't in- buy a house now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Make a latte in the hole of your avocado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not to make fun of anyone's stuff, but there were a lot of entries that were much more story prompt than really 
like gaming games. Yeah, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's certainly a thing that's uh, a worthwhile endeavor. It's a it's a great it's a great exercise to sit down with friends and tell a story. Uh, if and a lot of the judges really really liked those games because they were judging them on the quality of the story that you tell. Oh yeah, and and, and you know, ultimately that was fantastic. But for for John and I, that that broke the rules of effective use of of the challenge. The challenge is about managing to pack a whole game into two hundred words. Yeah, uh, not not to pack an interesting part of a game into two hundred words. Exactly. So that's that was where we were coming from with this. But this game, this game in particular, Memories, does both. There there's a full set of rules in there that it's using to still tell this kind of story and to kind of you know make you think. Yeah, I mean a lot of the from last year, a lot of the entries we liked were ones that used. Uh, things that weren't dice, physical objects, stuff like that. Oh yeah, really books and get, matches and what have you. Yeah, to get you to interact with mm-hmm. what's going on around you outside of just, I roll and look at what's happening, that, you know, very visceral, I'm interacting with a thing as part of the game. Yeah. is It's interesting. I like that. I thought this one was particularly fun as well. So we got one more to discuss for the official winner. So again, congratulations to Santiago Eximeno. You can find his website at www com, And by the way, uh, in case in case I forgot to do this at the very beginning of the show, if you're interested in the 200-word RPG challenge and you want to read any of the stuff that we are reading, you can find the 200-word RPG challenge very easily by just Googling it, or it's at 200, the number 200, wordrpg.github.io. There you go. So that's where that is. That's all done by David Sherdwan, who's an awesome dude. Uh, he's already setting up for next year, so... Start writing your 200-word RPG challenge entry now. It is harder than you think. Oh, yeah. I mean, being able to, like we said, what we were judging on, effectively use 200 words. Yes. Because, I mean, there are plenty of ways you can be like, I made a resolution system in 200 words. I made a story in 200 words. But being able to really use that small of a space to get a story, a system, and something that grabs hold of your attention is... I mean, it's definitely a difficult prospect. It very much is. So, the last one of the winners that we are going to discuss today, and then we are going to, because we are only about half a show so far, oh, we're, yeah. we're going to throw in some discussion of some of the finalists that we really liked, and I don't know, we'll probably find some other fun stuff to talk about. <laughs> uh, here we go. It, the last one is called Route Clearance, and it's by Andrew Millar, and you can find his website, and I'm going to start it off here, www.highambitionlowskill.blogspot.co. Dot .nz. Oh, so he's a New Zealander. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's someone who's deeply involved in the Deathgism. Oh, yeah. I like Smeegs. <laughs> so, he's a, he's a werewolf, not a swearwolf. <laughs> God damn, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Look, folks, if, if you want to take another recommendation out of us, go watch What We Do in the Shadows. It's, it's real good. It's by Taika Waititi, who's currently the director of that third super fire-looking Thor movie. Oh man, that is the hotness. That that trailer for that Thor movie is one I am 100% hype. Yeah, I have I have been on board for Thor before, but I have never been like 100% on the board. No, this is this is going to be the movie. The all the way from the Kirby dots. Oh god, uh, I want it. it. I want just, all of it. Kate Blanchett. Oh my I just that dude in the celestial costume. <laughs> the celestial cosplay happening in the background. What I'm trying to say is thank you New Zealand. Thank you Andrew Millar. Thank, thank that entire country for giving us just gold. Just just amazing gold all the time. You guys are great. I wish you always made it onto maps and people occasionally forgot to put Australia on there instead. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Just an entire Australia missing, but we get New Zealand. <laughs> well, there's this whole thing about how oh, yeah. New Zealand doesn't make it onto maps. 
And it's true. It is very true. All right, so here we go. Uh, I'm going to read the 200-word route clearance now. You are U.S. Army soldiers tasked with clearing the road between Kabul to Kandahar of IEDs during the invasion of Afghanistan. Remove all face cards and jokers from a deck of playing cards. Shuffle it. Place the top 12 cards end-to-end and face-down along a length of the table to represent the road. One end is Kabul, and the other is Kandahar. Each player names and describes their soldier, and narrates a short scene from their basic training, reflecting their motivation for serving. Each turn, a player flips over the next card on the road, starting with Kabul, and narrates a short scene based on the suit. Clubs, action or danger. Spades, emotional difficulty or hardship. Hearts, humor or camaraderie. Diamonds, reflection or contemplation. The higher the number on the card, the more intense the experience. Scenes can include flashbacks and, with agreement, other characters. An ace of any suit represents a major setback or threat, such as deadly attack or a severe emotional crisis, which the player must describe and narrate. After the last card, each player narrates an end scene for their soldier, including whether they come through the experience physically, emotionally, or mentally intact. And that's the whole game. Yep. And uh, this one is... It's, it's interesting mostly because it puts you in a position that you normally really wouldn't get out of an RPG. Again, that's it's one of those... Uh, interesting uses of the game and i think a lot of people trying to like think about oh i'm gonna play a soldier are mostly just thinking about the i'm gonna run and gun and i want to have grenades and do like cool action movie stuff yeah i mean the thing i like about this one is that there really isn't that that the the trip from kabul to kandahar is what the players make of it I mean, the only real control over over the storytelling is coming from those suit cards and then kind of the intensity bit. But uh, beyond that, you you could make it all the way there with no combats, with no bombs or anything, just a bunch of stories. Yeah. I mean, you could have that entire thing, and especially given that uh, a lot of it can be flashback and character building, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I really like the ability to do that. The... uh, the fact that you would need to get permission from another player is more of a modern thing, I believe, uh, because oh, I, yeah. do, I do love the idea of having to be like, oh, I got one of the like, like a camaraderie hearts, ones. The camaraderie ones. You pulled a, a powerful hearts card and you want to have a, a heart-to-heart with another player. Yeah, and well, even just going like, oh, I'm going to do a flashback to we were both in the same basic training mm-hmm. and just a moment when we bonded over something. Yes. And I think that level uh, is what you really need, and that would be what keeps the game together. Mm-hmm. Because if uh, you went through the whole thing and it was just, all right, I flip a card and tell you something my guy does, and that's it, and then you flip a card and your guy does a thing, you can make some interesting stories, but I think the real interesting play is in the interconnectedness of these different characters. Yeah. Here, I'll, just, I'll try narrating a short scene now, and we'll, we'll give you an example of what John likes so much about it. It's day three. I flip my card. A nine of hearts. We're driving along the hot, dusty desert road. <laughs> the, in the far distance, the horizon is nothing but shimmery lines. It's endless in every direction. Occasionally, we pass a shep herder, a sheep herder, but that's the only human activity we see for, day, for hours at a time. 
It's thirsty work, and the dust clogs our goggles. Along the side of the road, we pass a hitchhiker. It's Grand Admiral Thrawn. <laughs> he wants to give... Jim, are you okay with it? Yeah, yeah, sure. He wants to give Jim some deep kisses. Deep, hard, Thrawn kisses. <laughs> and indeed he does. <laughs> it's super sexy that he does. Everyone gathers round. Silent. You Reverent. Can t- you can tell that some would like to hoot or holler, but none dare break the silence. <laughs> Jim receives his coterie and compliment of Thrawn kisses, and as quickly as it begins, the moment is over. He walks off into the desert, presumably in pursuit of art. Or poison. Or poison. The sweetest meat. <laughs> One of these things. <sighs> Jim is forever changed by this experience. <laughs> but really, aren't all of us? Scene. Day four. <laughs> uh, okay, so we had to work some in-jokes into this episode. I mean, come on. That I swear... To God, I thought you were going to go with a goof comment. <laughs> you goof. I lean in close. You goof. <laughs> Day five. Clubs. We come across a man. He has a hot dog. He offers it to us, but at a cost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So, anyway, I like... I mean, like we were saying, a lot of these are just evocative storytelling aids, but this one has a mechanic that helps control the story, has a mechanic that helps you bring other players into the story and kind of build bonds as you make your way across. Uh, I think it's, of the ones that were storytelling prompts, this one was far and away my favorite. Yeah, the... uh, You also had, which you get in this, and you got a lot in the more story-heavy games, was at the very end, you had to have a, like, oh, uh, what did this make you feel about whatever? When you were talking about this subject... How did that affect you? It was, you know, very, like, almost therapy. Like, this is a type of thing, like, you would do in a therapy session as a role-playing with your therapist, Mm -hmm. and then at the end, talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But with this one, instead of being... This is really more like role-playing business. Well, in this one, it's instead of being like, oh, let's talk about how you felt, it's give a, uh, like, this end of your character, this end... You know, like in those movies where it's, uh, and then he went on to be a U.S. senator or whatever, those little end bits. Mm-hmm. You get to have a conclusion to whatever. And depending on, you know, the stories that were told and what happened on the road, you can have these wildly different uh, effects at the end. Yeah. And I think trying to get into the headspace of uh, a person that you normally wouldn't, I mean... There are plenty of role players in the uh, the armed forces, like oh, a, ton. a lot, <laughs> like like a crapload. Like, I mean, you can take it from us. We're since we're San Diegan, we spend a lot of time in the local nerd stores, and the local nerd stores are like one hundred percent Marines. Oh yeah, man, it's just a ton of them. Yeah. So when we are talking about you know, uh, getting into the mind space of someone you might normally not be, we're basically talking about like. Your average dumpy nerd who's just sitting around. Yeah. Like us. <laughs> I mean, uh, granted, Marines don't spend a lot of time dropping, driving from Kabul to Kandahar. I guess you kind of have to be an army guy for that. Yeah. But but the military experience in role-playing is something that, that generally when people try to, to uh, approach it, when, when you see games that are aimed at military audiences, it's always like, 
Twilight 2000. Or, yeah, games that have very deep Phoenix Command and stuff like that. That's like, well, of course you're going to need to know the difference between these 18 kinds of Glocks. Oh, yeah, it's it's a lot of weapon porn. Yeah, weapon porn and rule, like, uh, I've seen a lot of games that are all about the chain of command. Oh, yeah. But oh. this is this is just, you know, tell the stories that are relevant to this, this life experience. Yeah, and I, I think that's... That's a good way to approach that to mm-hmm. get a different experience than you might otherwise get from these. Yeah, absolutely. So once again, that is Route Clearance by Andrew Millar at www.highambitionlowskill.blogspot.co.nz. If you'd like to read his game, you can also find it at the 200 Word RPG Challenge page. After all, it's one of the three winners. Hooray! Good job, guys. Good job, you three. You did it. You managed to grab a hold of our collective attentions give them a good squeeze and and again you know just as two of the people who were who got to be involved in this process as, as judges uh, a big thanks to to uh, david Trudwan, the uh, the mastermind behind the whole thing and then all the other judges who worked with who worked so hard on this as well yeah i disagree uh, with all of you I, yeah i hate every single other judge your opinions are bad yeah yeah but otherwise thanks so much for being a part of this <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. You guys are great. So there we go. Yep. So uh, those are the big winners. Those are the big winners, and we have now fulfilled our contractual obligation. <laughs> Thank you, and good day. And we're done. <laughs> we quit. Uh, yeah. the The interesting thing about this, for just on the judging end, was really having to put aside a lot of our stuff as well to sort of see what the other judges looked at because a lot of the times uh you'd get like a finalist from some judge and you'd look at it and be like okay but why would you pick this and the fact that you got the like the judge comments and things like that was really nice as another judge just to be uh able to look at something and go all right what was the perspective you were coming at with this game yeah absolutely it was nice the judging system is very nicely run uh I mean, we've read some some folks on the internet make having complaints or weird concerns that the whole thing's a conspiracy that's designed to reward <laughs> like particular types of games, and that the whole thing couldn't be further from the truth. We met the other judges for a grand total of about thirty minutes. Yeah, of a, of a Skype ch- uh, conversation, at the second to last stage of judging. Yeah, just the occasional email yeah. about things, and that was about it. Yeah, mostly it was entirely up to us. With and the only constriction was pick your favorites of this list that we're sending you. Yeah, so it was. Very much done organically. Uh, everyone had their own reasons for picking why any individual RPG was the best, but uh, no RPG was only read by one person. Yeah, so, everything was had a wide uh, range of judges. Yeah, read by at least a few judges. So everything did get multiple chances to be read through and picked. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a very well run system. I, I I look forward. I think next year, if we don't get asked to to, to judge again, I'll I'll. Submit, because now I think I have an inside track. I know. Oh, we know the secrets. <laughs> the many secrets. <laughs> Cry into a hat. Roll the hat. If the hat lands face up, you have won a prize. Describe the prize. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the prize your mother's love? <laughs> Spray perfume into the air. If it gets into the eyes of a passing bird, add three points to your chart. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. I... We're just making stuff up. None of this has anything to do with the actual submissions. Uh, all right. So, but there are a few other games that we wanted to mention because you know we, when we were sitting down and reading all of these entries, 
Some of them didn't make it all the way through into the final finalists, but they were really good, and we just wanted to talk a little bit about them. Just not as much as the three winners, but just throw out some kind of recognition here and there. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were ones that we would attempt to go to bat for, but just didn't grab people the way it grabbed us. That is correct, yeah. So, so I mean, we'll at least give the recognition of these are ones that we liked as so well. I think we're going to do one each here, and, uh, and so I'll go first. Uh, I wanted to throw a little recognition out to Trash Pandas. Yep. Uh, Trash Pandas was a uh, a game by Eric Farmer, uh, who who doesn't have a website listed here, just his Twitter handle of at Eric Farmer. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole game. I'm just going to tell you that the very first line is a heist game starring raccoons. Yeah. the The great thing about this was mostly the uh, I mean, heist games are going to get my attention right off the bat anyway because mm-hmm. I love that shit. The thing that got me here, and the reason I wanted to submit it, is because it does the character creation for you, and it gives you five, or I think it's four, cute raccoons that each have a special raccoon ability. Yeah, it's like, I'm the sneaky one, I'm the strong one. So you got, uh, what is it, Ringo, Mittens, Pork Butt, and Glitter are are your four raccoons, and each one of them has a special power, but they all sound like raccoon powers, even though they're just messing with the dice of the game. So, like, for example, uh, Ringo, who is clever can shake the box of dice, because everyone, you roll a big box of dice and then pick dice out that are like victory dice or whatever. Uh, each one of the, he can shake the box after he looks at it because he's clever. So you're sitting there looking at a little box of dice, through. you're peering in at it and holding it with your claws, and if he doesn't like it, he can just shake it again. Yeah, I, that was the other thing, is the resolution system was also very evocative of being a raccoon, because you had to have this little box, and you kind of shake it and then look at it, and so everyone got to, like play as a raccoon not only as a character but just the way you're interacting with the game yeah so each one of them's got a power that that helps them with that and then the whole thing is that you have to like heist a garbage can yeah like figure out how to get the lid off a garbage can and there's twists and phases and it's very cleverly written it's got a full set of rules for how the game functions it's done by uh you you have a box with a bunch of dice in it you shake it you look in there you, you sorry you pick a number between one and six and then you pull out all the dice that match with what you said uh, and then that's your like victory dice that you can use to accomplish tasks, which is it's smartly written. It's got a good rule set, but what really makes it sing is the fact that the the four characters are fun. And the moment I read it, I was like, oh, I want to see adventures of these guys. Yeah, I, w- I want the adventures of glitter and pork butt. And yeah, it's I, w- I want to know all about it. I want to know what's going on with Ringo and Mittens. So it was it's it was definitely a game that I thought was particularly good. So there you go. Just throwing a quick mention out to Trash Pandas by Eric Farmer at Eric M Farmer on Twitter. Yep. So there we have it. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, at Eric M. Farmer. I don't think I said it right the very first time. Yeah. Whatever, so there we have it. And then uh, John has one he wanted to throw out some uh, some kudos to. Oh, yeah, well, the, the first one when I was reading through that I really wanted to go to bat for, mm-hmm. I absolutely loved, and I don't know that anyone else did. <laughs> uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was hilarious. Was the, the game is called Might Makes Right, Muscle Marines in Space. And that is by Chris, and he has a website here called uh, www.letthronesbeware.com. Yeah, and this game was a sort of a jab at 40k, because you're all space marines that are super muscly. Yeah, it's kind of a cross between space uh, space marines and the ripping friends. And the, the reason I loved it so much is your resolution system is whoever is... The strongest is your DM. He is the muscle master, your MM. Uh-huh. And he uh, will tell you what's going on. You all make Marines that are like, 
I'm a like a doctor marine or I'm a whatever marine, but you're Rip Killington. But you are all super muscly. Yeah, you're all big muscle masters. And the way you do resolution is to arm wrestle the uh, the, the muscle, muscle master. master. And if it's something you have a skill in, then you can use your dominant hand. And if it's something you aren't skilled in, you have to use your other hand. See, now I'm a huge fan of this because as a left-handed person, I'm already straight up set to dominate just about anyone with, with <laughs> what's going to end up being their offhand all the time. But uh, come on, Muscle Master, let's do this. I've got a skill in this. I'm going to fuck your shit. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the great bit about that as well is uh, if you succeed against your Muscle Master and beat him in an arm, res- arm wrestling contest, great, you succeeded. If you didn't, you have to do push-ups. Yeah. If you, if you, if you have to go do ten push-ups, and if you can't... You're out. You're out. You hit the showers. Yeah. And the, I, mean, I love the fact that the resolution mechanic is a physical activity. That's the thing that, that wins the prize on this one. Oh, yeah. And the fact that you're like, oh, man, you know what our big uh, thing is? We're going to all try and do things one right after the other so that we can wear him down. We can weaken the muscle master. And, like, it's... It's so interesting to me, and the the physicality of what you are doing. Again, anything in a 200-word RPG that lets you really get outside of, I roll a die and see if I win, I, I really love that in these micro-RPGs. Yeah. And uh, it really reminded me of, there's always that argument in games of like, oh, you know, are you the party face? You have to roleplay convincing someone of something instead of oh, being able that. to roll. That's always been, like, throughout the history of the show, that's been one of my biggest pet peeves, that strength is okay to abstract because it's easy to imagine being a super strong person. Oh, yeah. But being super charismatic or super intelligent, they always make you roleplay those activities. So the DM's always like, I have a confusing puzzle I found in a book about mist. And you're like, okay, my character has an 18 intelligence. He solves it. No, you have to solve it. Why? My character's way smarter than me. Yeah, and that that uh, argument that gets brought up a lot of, you know, why can't I just abstract my the fact that I'm charismatic or smart or anything like that when, you know, he can go ahead and just say, oh, I, uh, I bend these bars and roll for it. Yeah. And so the idea of flipping it around and being like, oh, no, the whole thing is you don't abstract being physical. You have to be physical in this game. I was like, that's awesome. I love this. Yeah, and keep in mind that both of us are... Lazy, slow, oh yeah, indolent ma- masses of human. I mean, like the first time it got to the ten push-ups, I would just be hitting the showers. Like this is this is not a game that I go, oh yeah, this is for me because I'm I'm ripped, I'm the cream of the crop. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're hardly ready to go off to the world and hunt a predator, but but uh, that's okay because you don't have to be able to play the game to recognize it as hilarious. Yeah, I definitely have time to bleed. <laughs> so, you know, not not really going to be, like, a game that I particularly am like, oh, this is one that I want to play all the time. But that wasn't my it, criteria. You're recognizing quality. That's all it is. Yeah, so, I was just recognizing being able to do something interesting with the, the medium. So those are a couple of our finalists that we both really enjoyed. Uh, granted, there are a ton of games in this system that we really happen to like. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I mean, not, not even just our finalists. There were ones that we couldn't put in as finalists because we could only submit a few. Yes. 
Uh, uh, and so, then other people's finalists we liked as well. Yeah, the trolls one I really liked, where you are a troll who was also an internet troll. I thought that was that was. Yeah, you are an internet troll and a literal troll. Uh, Squamous, which was you are a god that has to occupy he, or a gross Lovecraft yeah, god. You're one of those elder gods that is in a meat suit, it has to be in a human body and tries to accomplish its weird tasks. Yeah, because you're like the god of something, and yeah. you've got a task. It's, it's it's like a cross between everyone is John and and uh, whatever that octopus dad game is called. <laughs> yeah, Octo Dad. Octo Dad. Thank you. It's it, which is a pretty fun thing to combine. It was, yeah. I thought that was clever. So there were a lot of games in the, in the in the pool that were really smart. Yeah, I mean, the obviously we're going to be able to go like the winners. People were able to really come together and say, yeah, these are the ones we want to uh, really showcase. But even then, there were a ton of games that were great in this. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's amazing when you go, there are, you know, 700 submissions, and in those, you still had a ton of great stuff. Absolutely. A lot of really really good, really inventive stuff. One of the the statistics that uh, David Shurduan was so proud of is that se- of the 700 entries, 25% were first-time entries. Oh, yeah. So there were a ton of new people coming on board to try this game, this concept out. It's It's so much less daunting as someone who's like, I've always wanted to make a game or do something in game design. But when you look at it, especially for RPGs and you go, what do I need? A 300 page rule book. God, I don't know if I've got that in me, but when you look at it and go, I just need 200 words. That is a good premise and a decent way to resolve things. It's much less daunting. Like I was saying, it's, you can sit down and really bang one of these out and feel good about it. And you don't have to like, waste years trying to get everything together with editing and playtesting and so on. And they're playable. One of the things I love about these micro-RPGs is that you could find four strangers and be like, hey guys, let's play this random game. Here's how you, here's how it works. And and I'm talking and I'm done and we're playing the game now. That's so great when you compare it to something a, a, mo- a modern or a, like mid-2000s RPG where you're like, well, how do I play this game? Well, go ahead and grab a seat because you're going to need to read this 300-page book and then this 200-page book. I mean, even the more modern, like, rules-light ones still have a lot going on there that you have to kind of explain with, okay, uh, these are, like, your aspects, and this is how you're going to use those, and this is how, you know, when you get in trouble, this is the way that's going to work. Well, Fate, in particular, is one that that is, like, naggingly complicated beyond the simple rules. Like, you think it's super simple. You've got these dice of pluses and minuses on them. It should be a super simple thing, but it's a surprisingly difficult game to learn to write effective character aspects. Well, yeah, because they have to be they have to be kind of two faced, and you have to you have to get good at that. And it's it's a game that is surprisingly deep yes. for how uh, rules light you really think yeah. it's going to be. Like you can't just write things down like good shot because that doesn't give anyone the ability to put compels on you. You have to be able to put something where people there's a hook about your character that. that other players and the DM can reach in and mess with at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you might have an advantage of, like, good shot. This is one of the things that I'm super cool at. Yeah, but a character aspect should be something like, you know, dazzling with a gun or something like that, so that there's still a hook that you're not a good shot with something else. Oh, yeah. but... Well, it's you're, you want to look for something that's like uh, a motive rather than just something you're good at. But, I mean, ultimately, what we're trying to get across is that for a game where, to make a character, you pick, like, five numbers and write down five three-word phrases... It's really hard to do it right. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot to it. And so. that's that's one of those things with uh, the 200-word RPG is 
you can read the whole RPG to someone and then go ahead and play. I read three of them out loud on this show, and we haven't even done a whole hour yet. Oh, yeah. So that's just the, the whole 200-word aspect. I mean, we, we definitely talked about this last year, but I love the fact that you can do that. Just get someone into a game, especially someone that wouldn't normally be a gamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone that might look at something like, you know, the rule book for a D&D or anything like that and go, oh man, I really don't know. There's so many choices that I might mess up and I don't want to make a bad character and I don't want to like ruin things for everyone else. But when you look at a game that's like, this isn't a ridiculous campaign. Most of them are games you're going to play over maybe a half an hour. Yeah. That you have a lot less stress inducement Mm -hmm. on players. I can tell you some of the most fun experiences that John and I have ever had at our local game store are with uh, Dr. Magnet Hands. And Dr. Magnet Hands is a game where you can grab three people who have never heard of it and have them at your table, and within about ten minutes, people at nearby tables will be asking and pleading with you to shut up because (laughs) everyone at your table is yelling so loud and having too much fun. Yeah, it is the ability to play one of these games where you just grab people, explain it, start playing, and you are going to be able to get into having a good time immediately. Yeah. Like, you just jump right into the action. There's no, all right, so the three of you are in a bar, and you're like, no, man, these 200-word RPGs are just, and go. Yeah, no, they're fantastic. So, there you go. That's the 200-word RPG challenge. It should be happening around March or April of next year, if you're looking to get involved in that. We're certainly going to keep championing it as much as we can. We've had a great time being involved in it for the first couple this year. Uh, so we'll probably help David push it when it starts getting close again next year. Uh, so <laughs> no different push it. Uh, yeah, I was a, like, oh, garbage man, I... one. You want to do the static X one? Yeah, you push it. Yeah, I was like, oh man, what's the actual like line in push it for the, like the music? Oh, uh, bet it, it doesn't. I don't think it actually. She says push it. Oh yeah, no, she says uh push it. Make the beats go harder. Yeah. It's really hard to sing a garbage song without the backup. Those aren't songs written for acapella. No. <laughs> also, it's hard to sing like you're Shirley Manson when you are an, a deep-voiced guy. So, yes. I can do some Static X. That's a song about pushing it. Yeah, push it, man. Push, push it, it. Real yeah, good. You push it. <laughs> there you go. Three songs called Push It. Yay. We now, it. three songs called Plush. <laughs> <laughs> I never remember which... Uh, uh, whichever song that is. Yeah. I I can't even remember the name of the band, right? Stone Temple Pilots. I yep. literally can't remember which Stone Temple Pilots song that is. <laughs> I, uh, every time I'm like, oh, plush, Interstate Love Song pops up in my head for me. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, wait, hang on. Is it? And then I start singing Sour Girl, and that's wrong. And then uh, that, I can't get to plush from there. Motion Picture. All I can get to from from Sour Girl is Cornflake Girl, the, the Tori Amos song. Oh, okay. I was going to say, what the hell is Cornflake Girl? But it's Tori Amos, and I don't know Tori Amos. <laughs> I do. I know Tori Amos all too well. Yeah, you and your Liz's fair and your Tori's Amos. <laughs> I've just seen Tori Amos in concert like three times. You have to. It's it's a bisexual thing. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. It's it, required <laughs> to get your card. <laughs> That's how I got my card. Uh, I went to a Tori Amos opening for Alanis Morissette concert and left during the first song of Alanis Morissette. That's <laughs> that's how you earn it. Yeah. In my defense, it was the late 90s, and she came out in jeans with a skirt over the jeans. And we were like, no, nope, two 90s. <laughs> nope, we've hit peak 90s, gotta nope, go. Look at that weave on her. I I will pass. I'm, I'm good, I'm thanks. Gonna, I'm gonna beat the traffic. Thank you and good night. 
All right, so we got a little bit of house cleaning to do before we're all done for the day. Just a little bit. Just not much. Uh, just, again, as a reminder, we recently joined the One Shot Podcast Network, if you have not somehow already heard about that. Uh, so we have joined James D'Amato, Cat Cool, all the good folks over at One Shot and uh, yeah, Campaign. James D'Amato, Cat Cool, and then all the good folks over there. <laughs> <laughs> they they ah. know what I mean. Ah. I mean, James, who's the listener between the two of them, knows what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, James. You're actually the cool one. Yeah, you're the cool guy. <laughs> you're our favorite brother. And anyone listening that is named James, you are also a cool guy. Oh, sweet. My middle name is James. Uh, yeah, but your first name isn't. Get out of here. God damn it. Uh, anyway, so just to clarify, we've joined them as a kind of a collaborative effort. We want to work with them more. They've always been cool people. They've helped us out a lot in the past. What we are not joining them as is a financial partner. So... They are currently in the middle of a big Patreon drive. We strongly encourage you to go support it and help them get their things done. But we don't have to, and but, we won't. But we don't have to, because it doesn't involve us in the slightest. We have our own Patreon, and we're doing our own thing. And in fact, why don't you go to that Patreon? <laughs> Please go to our Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com slash systemmastery, and support us instead. No, I'm kidding. Do both. Do both. But if you have to choose one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like choosing your favorite kid and choosing a different kid to die. Look, it's easy. We're the cool kid. Look. The other kid's a wiener. You don't want to support that kid. The other kid's a huge wiener, and everyone knows a kid in their life that's a wiener, and you know what I mean. Yeah, he's you that know, kid who's like, no, I can't get wet during I, the squirt gun I'm fight. I'm in a squirt gun fight. I'm not allowed to get wet. Hold still. Yeah. I'm telling on you. Wiener. I broke my toy. I need your toy. I need your toy. I've got a five-year-old brother, and I'm 14, and I play with him a surprising amount. <laughs> And, and most of it, mostly, it appears to be just making up rules he has to do. Yeah, you, you, you everyone's gonna hate me at every family gathering. <laughs> I know I already had a bowl of ice cream, but I need another bowl. I'm gonna ruin s'mores for everyone. <laughs> Damn wiener kids! Wiener kids are the worst, and you know it. <laughs> I'm kidding, though. Support both Patreons. Please support ours. If you do, you get our bonus content. You may find yourself wondering, if you're already a Patreon subscriber or just a listener who knows what we do, what the heck our bonus content will be for this time. Well, we've decided to go back to the very beginning, get back to our roots, and we're going to make bonus content characters in Heroes Unlimited. Oh my god. I'm so excited for this. I, I love making Heroes Unlimited characters, so this is just going to be a dream come true. Yeah, you just get the goofiest crap so, out of that. So. For people who don't know, we started the bonus content on the Patreon after like two years of doing the show. So there are a ton of games that don't have bonus content episodes. Yeah, and every time, which isn't super often, we get a review where there really isn't a character creation system in the game... We go back and we'll sort of update. We'll do ones that weren't around for the Patreon. But we th we get to pick and choose, because, you know, doing them in order would be boring. That said, doing Heroes Unlimited will be fun. <laughs> yeah, making uh, a Heroes Unlimited character, never boring. Oh, it's the best. 100% random, start to finish. Love it. Three, Love all of, these, all of these charts are amazing. 360, no scope, perfect character every time. <laughs> so, so that's what we're going to be doing. We'll be making a couple of Heroes Unlimited characters. So you've got that to look forward to if you're a subscriber. You're going to get that bonus content episode coming out at the same time as this episode. Uh, otherwise, we will be back to our normal schedule of annoying games that no one likes, except for you. You probably like the game, and now you hate us. Uh, in about two weeks, when our next episode comes out. In the interim, our next episode will be an afterthought, and it will be recorded at KublaCon up in, up in uh, the Bay Area, up in San Jose. Uh, either that or at a nearby house. We still aren't sure about our recording situation. All I'm saying is that we're going to be up at KublaCon in the Bay Area 
next yeah. weekend. We will definitely be there for at least probably an hour before we go get hot dogs. That is correct. But that said, we will be visiting Games of Berkeley up there. We have no schedule for any of this. Oh, no. We'll I'll just tweet it all like two hours in advance, okay? If you live anywhere in the Bay Area and you're going to be there for the KublaCon times, even if you aren't going to the convention, mm-hmm. we're definitely going to set up a meetup probably in Berkeley so we can get hot dogs and go to a game store. That is 100% true. Uh, so... Oh, and then we also need to go to get ice cream, I think, is the other thing. Well, yeah, but are. they're not invited for ice cream. That's, That's for me. <laughs> I'm I don't I don't want any of you fans intruding on my ice cream time. <laughs> so folks just haunt all the nearby ice cream parlors and <laughs> maybe you'll spot John and be able to bother him. He'll he'll finally be able to figure out what it's like to have paparazzi. <laughs> he'll be that fat guy eating some ice cream. Definitely go up to everyone that fits that and ask them <laughs> if they are me. <laughs> so so if you want to get us onto an actual schedule at one of these conventions, and you are a convention organizer in some capacity, please know that what we would absolutely love to do is panel appearances or live episodes or anything like that. We would be thrilled to do shit like that. That all sounds super fun. So if you're a, if you're a convention organizer, feel free to invite us. And that, that's the only way you'll actually lock us down at these conventions. Otherwise, we show up, we hit the vendor hall, we play a game or two, and then we leave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got a few scheduled things for the convention this time because we are slightly more prepared than we were last year (laughs) whatever last year was like one of the best vacations ever (laughs) mostly because top dog is so goddamn good man them dogs them the best dogs so again kublacon that's in san jose that's this weekend if you're going hey let us know on twitter or gmail or whatever and we'll we'll be in our system mastery shirts we'll be easy to find yep and otherwise uh Let's see, support the Patreon, bonus content, blah, blah, blah. Am I missing anything? Uh, no. I, just... got, the, I got the whole one-shot network, too. Yeah, we, uh, we've we got oh. the other podcasts you can listen to, but mostly it's just you can find us on the Twitter, Facebook, all that. We are System Mastery on basically any social media. And uh, also, uh, house cleaning note, or housekeeping note as well, if we sound different this episode... It's because we have fancy new microphones. So it, fancy it, because it, of this Patreon. Yeah, because of Patreon. So thanks to you, uh, Patreon subscribers, we were able to actually go out and get real, like, professional microphones. For realsies mics. Yeah, instead of the ones we got last time, which we had to unplug from the back of a Teddy Ruxpin to use. <laughs> uh, these are these are great and fancy and awesome. If we sound worse right now, it's probably because we don't know how to use them. Because they cost, like, 30 times what the last set of microphones did. Oh, yeah, it's probably because our soundboard is not set up to use actual mics. <laughs> so let's just keep that Patreon dollars rolling in. We'll get a real soundboard hey this has a phantom power button and everything oh man <laughs> it's got that my, star wars episode one the phantom power my cute little 60 dollars soundboard i love that i love this little guy so all right that should just about cover it uh thank you so much for listening and supporting and being a part of this and supporting the 200 word rpg challenge uh all those things thank you for everything and uh otherwise thanks for listening and have a great weekend day week have a good week Two weeks. Have, have a, a good, good weeks. Have a good two weeks. Have, I hope you have good life. I hope the two weeks after you listen to this episode, whenever you do, are good two weeks. Yeah. And I hope your next child is a masculine child. <laughs> this has been Luca Brazzi. Good night. <laughs>